This is The Widow Podcast and I am Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I'll be supporting you through the loss of your life partner so you can find a more positive way through your grief. I want to give you hope after loss and to know that when you are ready, you can create a meaningful life for yourself with the help of me, Karen Sutton and The Widow Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of The Widow Podcast. Today, I am really pleased to have the wonderful Stacey Francis with us here today. Stacey Francis is the CEO and founder of Francis Financial. She's also a certified financial planner and a certified grief coach and has come along to talk to us a little bit about the financial implications of widowhood. They're overwhelming, they're challenging, and actually pretty scary at times. We don't often know what is best to do. So, Stacey, hello and welcome, and thank you for joining us. Karen, I'm so happy to be here to talk about a really important subject and a subject that's very, you know, very close to my heart. It is. I know. I know. We we briefly chatted before. We had such a wonderful conversation. Um, so, do you tell people a little bit about you and and how you came yeah. to what you're doing and a bit about your company. I would love to. Um, I really was drawn to this work. I was never um, a little girl who raised their hand in math. Um, I'll be honest, numbers frightened me, um, but I was drawn and I would say even pushed into this work because I saw how debilitating life can be and how many options are reduced for women who don't have a good handle on the finances of of their partnership, of their marriage. And um, I watched my grandmother who ended up passing away because of spousal abuse and she never left. Um, and it she explained, you know, there are many reasons, but one of the significant factors is she felt financially trapped. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, Karen, as a girl growing up, seeing someone who you love most dearly um, be hurt and feeling helpless to make a difference, it propelled me into this field because I realized that she's not the only woman and the number of women who who find themselves in really tough positions, whether it's going through a divorce, the loss or death of a husband or disability, um, because we just haven't had that experience, that exposure, that education around finances, we can find ourselves in some pretty difficult positions. Um, Yeah, so I launched uh, actually a charity in her name called Savvy Ladies, which I'll talk more about. Um, But we've worked with tens of thousands of women pro bono, helping them get their handle, you know, their hands around their finances. Um, And then the year after that, 20 years ago, I uh, launched uh, Francis Financial to actually do one-on-one financial planning, wealth advisory for individuals all across the the world. We actually have a few clients in in the UK. So um, in my family, my husband is British. And so the UK is a very, very special place for me. Oh, I love that. I know because there obviously are different, you know, laws and and benefits and all that kind of stuff, aren't there, available to people in in the UK, in the US. But obviously you you have a an understanding of that and are able to help people you know, whether they're in the UK or the US. Um, and, and that's lovely, actually, because like you say, there is very little, I think, 
support out there for people um that that feels like it comes from a you know a, a, a heartfelt place um and what you do definitely feels like it comes from a heartfelt place with your your personal story and why you do what you do so you know when you when you meet people in in this situation um where they've lost a a life partner um where do you start what would be your kind of like you know your your first point yeah. of well I mean the first piece is you know giving a big hug and um you know I think for so many women who have lost you know partners um they are in triage and often are also consoling other people Mm -hmm. um, and whether that's children, dear family members, um, colleagues of the, the deceased. And so the first piece is, is really just, you know, you taking inventory of where you're at and what help you need, because the, the journey that you're now taking, um, can be extremely overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I'll just share this story, Karen, my, uh, father-in-law passed away. Um, gosh, it's been 11, maybe 12 years ago. And uh, we flew over to England to be with my my mother-in-law. And I was the person that, you know, jumped into all the paperwork and putting everything together to, to get an understanding of what their assets, liabilities, expenses were. And I will tell you that it was overwhelming for me who was functioning at a much higher level. Mm -hmm. um, obviously I had a loss as well, but you know, it was my father-in-law. It wasn't, wasn't my husband. And so just knowing that it's okay to feel overwhelmed, that's normal. If you don't feel overwhelmed, there's probably something wrong on the other side. That's completely normal. And that you are not going to be at your most capable place. And so then understanding that and pulling in resources that can help you. Mm -hmm. I was so pleased because being able to help my mother-in-law, it gave me purpose. It gave me an ability also to deal with the loss. It allowed me to help. And so many people want to help. But Karen, I think the biggest challenge is, you know, let me know if I can do anything. Yes. How many times have you heard that? Yes. Let me know if you need anything. Um, well, what I really want everyone who's listening today to know is that those people actually do want to help. They just don't know how. Mm -hmm. So one of the best things that you can do is start to write down all the things you need to do, which we're going to go over today, and start to bring your helpers in. And, you know... Just again, knowing, and I, and I share this from the helper point of view, it gives us a gift and it yeah. gives us an ability to deal with that loss too. And I think, you know, that's such a good point, isn't it? People do want to help and they don't often know how and, and, and what is helpful if they haven't been through a significant loss and, and actually writing things down and thinking about what areas you could do with some help with that it you know, it is good for others. It, it helps them feel like they're doing something good for you and, and it helps you as well. 
I think the challenge a lot of people have is when it comes to finances, we can be quite private about that, can't we? It's, it is very personal. Mm-hmm. And some, you know, our financial situations can dramatically change when a, a loved one dies. And, and some people, you know, that you're suddenly in a situation where you, you know, your household income is halved or, or even more, you know, if your, your person has been the, the breadwinner per se. Um, there may not have been any life insurances, um, pensions a- available. So you can find yourself in, in in real dire straits sometimes. And then on the flip side, you know, people can find themselves actually dealing with a significant amount of wealth all of a sudden. You know, when you do get, you, you know, payoffs from work, pension incomes, health insurances, life insurances, all, all of these things. Um, and actually, that that can you know that that they're, they're different problems to have, hundred um, percent. But they're very overwhelming, scary problems. And and who do we talk? I mean, your mother-in-law obviously trusted you, and and was able to allow you into that that area of her life. Though I do think a lot of people find it hard, don't they, to find someone, whether it's a yeah. family yeah. that they're happy to share that with. Yeah, often um, it's a family member, it's a daughter, it's a son, it's um, a dear sister, or, uh, you know, someone that you're very, very close to and you trust. And having them help you start to sort through the paperwork is really important because the first step that you need to do is to get a, a clear picture of what your financial situation is. And it's three different areas. It's the assets and the liabilities. So, you know, what what Tessas do you have? What ISAs do you have? Um, pensions from work. Um, a lot of people now have uh, like 401k, like, you know, retirement plans at, at their job where they're able to put money away. Um, looking at what you have in checking accounts, savings accounts, if you have any, you know, annuities or or endowment policies, looking at that and also looking at there's been any payouts of life insurance of, you know, death benefits, payouts of, um, you know, income that was due to your spouse from their employer, mm-hmm. putting all those numbers together to see what does that really look like? One of the challenges a lot of people have is they might not have their thumb on the pulse of their finances, so they may not know all the different accounts. So a trick is to, number one, look at all the mail that comes in, right? All the mail and look at the financial institutions. If there's one account there, most likely there could be a second account. Um, Also look at your spouse's wallet Um, where credit cards are. Often there can be a bank account or some other account that's associated with that. That's another way. If you are able to look at the passwords for the computer um, or even go into the computer to see often the passwords are saved when you log into that website to be able to gain access to that. Um, These are all ways that you can start to piece together what that that what we call balance sheet will look like, or you can call it a net worth statement, whatever whatever works for you, assets and, and liabilities. And it's the same thing on the liabilities. What credit cards do you have? 
What does your mortgage look like? Do you have a car loan? Are there any other types of uh, loans that you have outstanding? So you can put those on that that balance sheet too. That's very important because your solicitor is going to need all of that information mm-hmm. to make sure that everything you know transfers properly for mm-hmm. you. If if you discover your partner had debt and you, you were unaware of it, does that debt automatically transfer to you as a spouse? Not necessarily. Um, so it you know and and it it goes by what your estate planning says. So um, for most people, a hundred percent of their assets go to their surviving spouse, right? So in that case, you know. After, um, you know, after all the liabilities are paid, you're going to get what's left of the estate. Mm-hmm. Um, for families that are blended families, um, the assets may be going to a, a, a daughter from a previous marriage, or they might be going to um, a son from a previous marriage. So she may not be receiving 100% of those assets. So um, what's going to end up happening is that you have the, all the assets, that estate then pays the debts, and then what's left over is is divvied up according to the will or beneficiaries that are on the accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, and your beneficiary, um, like a retirement account, you can have a beneficiary on that, and it goes immediately to that person listed. If you have life insurance, same thing. Whoever's listed as that beneficiary, that's who's going to receive those assets. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing you can do is reach out to their employer if they're currently employed or even their previous employer to understand do they have any retirement benefits that are there, any other type of assets. Often um, companies, in addition to pension plans and retirement benefits, you'll have um, individual stock of that company. Uh, if someone works for Google, they most likely have Google stock. If they work for um, HSBC, most likely they have HSBC stock as well. And you know, just understanding what that looks like, that employer can help you. And they can also help you navigate the benefits that were offered to your, your spouse and what that entitles you to today based on their death. And they can help navigate that to take some of, again, as much of the heavy lifting off your your plate. So the, net, the, the first piece is really just understanding that full picture of what the finances look like now with the assets and liabilities. And the second piece is understanding what your new income is going to be, which you're 100% right, Karen, for the vast majority of people, um, it's changed and it's not changed for the positive. It, it goes down. If uh, your spouse was receiving a pension, it, it may completely stop. Or if it does continue, it might continue at a, a, a lower amount. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were working, that income is going to completely stop. So getting a better understanding of what is my new household income is really important. And the third piece is understanding what are my expenses. And, um, you know, for most individuals, their expenses do go down eventually, but the time period right after having lost a spouse is unfortunately a very expensive time. 
you have all the funeral costs, you have burial costs, you have all these pieces, and then you also potentially have legal costs uh, for you know hiring your solicitor. And it can feel very frightening to have to pay these big bills when you are seeing your income go down. And so one of the best gifts you can give to yourself is to get a handle on what your expenses look like Mm -hmm. and then look at what the income is and see how much of a gap there is. Mm -hmm. And it may be fine to have that gap. It could be that you receive life insurance money. It could be that you you end up, many women we've worked with end up um, going back to work or, you know, doing something in the gig economy and and working part-time and um, doing that, especially if they're young and they still have another 40, 50 years, you know, even 60 years of their life. Um, but just looking at it and knowing is, while it can be hard to do, it also takes some of the anxiety away. And, you know, I, not to make light of it, but just like in the, you know, way that we all think about jumping on the scale after a vacation, yeah. um, we kind of all are like, I, I did it today and I was kind of like looking and and I looked at the number and it wasn't that bad. And I was like, you know what? It could have been worse. <laughs> but the anxiety I had of like what that number was going to be. Yeah far outweighed what I really should be worrying about. And so again, it's kind of making light of it, but um, you know, just kind of like understanding where you're sitting now yeah. can can help you start to formulate, okay, what what do I need to do? What do I need to do next? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's it, it's it's a really good point, isn't it? And we all do it. We avoid getting on the scales and you get on and you're like, oh no. But I think knowledge is power essentially and I think we can all be very good at avoiding things that feel scary and overwhelming and we we all want to bury our head in the sand sometimes don't we and, and just pretend these things aren't aren't going on of course especially we're in the the, the midst of grief and, and it's just yeah. so heavy um but you're right, you, you know, until you've got the hard facts and the knowledge about where you're at and what you're doing we're not then able to make informed choices. They're kind of, you know, the choices that empower us to make decisions that will help us take those all important steps forward and start to just put some of the pieces very tentatively back together, you know, and yeah, I agree. And, and understand the position that you find yourself in. And, and you're right, it's not it's it's not what you want, it's never what you want, is it? It, it the you, nobody's asked for this to be in this situation facing yeah, yeah. um but you know by hiding from them sometimes it it it, it does cause so much anxiety, doesn't it? And then you're you're layering yeah. with more yeah. I, I feel like women in particular, we we are our superpower is worrying. <laughs> I don't know. Um, often when we we think about the future, we think of a future that's worse than reality. Mm-hmm. And painting that more clear picture allows you to have that true north point of okay, this is what it looks like, and this is where I want to go. And starts to help you put the pieces in place 
to get to that place where you are feeling financially secure, that you're feeling financially confident and empowered and on track because not knowing our brain tends to just, you know, go and catastrophize what really isn't going to happen, but we worry about. So I think that's really an important and you know, once you have a clear picture of what your finances look like, take a breath. And I would say take six months before you make any significant decisions. That means take six months before you put the house on the market. Mm-hmm. Take six months before you launch back into the the workforce or the economy. Take six months before you decide to move in with your daughter or whatever that might be. To give yourself some breathing space, really important. Um, I see the biggest mistakes made right after a death, and it's almost like a gut reaction. Yes. Um, and I'll give an example. One of our clients, she, a uh, lovely woman, ended up buying a vacation home with the life insurance money. And it sounds, I'm sure, and and I'm, I really don't want anyone listening to be judging her. The reason she did it is that it was right next door to the home where her brother lives. And she wanted her twin daughters to be near their cousin after this loss and close to their uncle and their aunt made a hundred percent sense. But she did this very quickly within a month or two. And then once we were able to really look at the finances, she can't afford it. And it was a really hard conversation to to have with her. And we're going to make it work. We are going to rent the house out during certain parts of the you know year. We're going to refinance it when you know mortgage rates come down. Um, she's going to go back to work uh, now that the girls are getting ready to start to go to school. So it's all going to work out. But what ended up happening, which which felt like the right thing, it ended up adding more pressure for her. Whereas what she could have done is maybe rented a place during the summers when the girls were not at school, you know, in yeah. 2020 hindsight, of course, but just, mm-hmm. you know, giving ourselves that, that space mm-hmm. to, to not feel like we have to make those big decisions. And I've seen it with some of our clients selling the the house, which mm-hmm. is too big for them. That's right. But then moving in with their daughter and they never got along before. And now that they're under the same roof, really not getting along either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just giving yourself that time and to, to really, really think through that. And a lot of these decisions are quite frankly, financially motivated, mm-hmm. doing things to try and save money or make sure that they're financially secure. And just as you know, making sure you know what your assets liabilities are, your income and your expenses. There are plenty of fantastic financial advisors mm. in the UK. And what I would say is look for the CFP credential, Certified Financial Planner. Um, that person has a more broad uh, scope that's going to be able to help you. Some people really only understand about investing, which is important for you. You need to invest your money. You need to have it work for you now more than ever because 
you might be a little bit more financially behind than you were before, but you also need someone who can help run different scenarios about if I stay in the house, if I sell, if I go back to work, if I stay retired, all these things. Am I going to be able to be financially secure when I'm 85, when I'm 90, when I'm 95? Mm-hmm. And for us ladies, you know, I don't want anyone out there listening to say, I'm not going to live till 95, because guess what? Mm-hmm. Of all the people out there, you will be the one. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure that you can be financially secure and that you don't have to rely on your children. Um, you know, of course, I'm sure they'll help you if they can, but that that is a really tough position to put kids in. And it's a tough position for, for you to be in too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so true, isn't it? And I think we can very much have a knee jerk reaction, can't we, to, to the loss and make decisions, big decisions. And, and, you know, I have spoken to some people, I've had some clients that have sold their house quite quickly after their their spouse has died. And actually it's worked out really well. It's, it's been the best thing they could ever have done. However, I do think it is good, isn't it, to just take that time to 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 make your choices if they're big choices and just giving yourself that little bit of breathing space to make sure it it is, you know, it's, I, you know, I wanted to move after my husband died. I was like, I, I just, I didn't want to get out of here. I want to move. I was looking for houses. Um, but I, I could have done quite easily, but I decided not to. And I'm so glad I'm still here, you, you know, and it's it's my sanctuary and I love it but it could have been a very different story Mm. had I you know reacted to my emotions in in that moment because it it does it gets heavy it gets hard and we I think we feel like a you know a big change like that can can take away some of our pain yeah understandably and it it doesn't it can sometimes it, it can definitely be the right thing sometimes but if it's meant to be then taking a little time just to make sure it's you know it's still going to be the right yeah six months yeah. isn't always such a bad thing but there's also a lot of nervousness isn't there Stacey around finding a financial planner because there's so many sort of stories on there about people being um, blindsided and ripped off and and people disappearing with their money. And when we don't understand, I'm fine. I mean, I didn't, you know, my husband, Simon did, did all of our finances. Luckily we had a financial advisor that worked with us as a, a married couple. And then when Simon died, I, I stayed with him. So I already had that inbuilt trust and and I knew him and he's been incredible but if you haven't got that if you don't have that person and you don't know anyone you you can still go out there can't you and look for someone and and see they've got the right qualifications and stuff but how how do we know what what advice do you kind of give to people you know when they're looking for someone is 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 there you know, I know you said about looking for the the, the CFP. Yeah. So I'm really glad that you you brought this up because the the book that I wrote, Financial Help for Widows, um, it goes through all the things that we just spoke about today of you know kind of shortcuts to get the assets, and I actually have some fantastic worksheets that you can use that lay it out really really beautifully. Um, but it also has how to find a financial advisor, and what I do is I give you the questions to ask. 
Because, I mean, most people, this is not something that you've done before. And it gives you the questions to ask to understand what is their experience level. You want someone who's been doing this work ideally for a decade or more. Do they work with clients like you? Widows? Yes or no? Do they feel comfortable working with women? Because we as women, it's not just about investing. It's just not about the dollar and cents. There's so much more to what makes us feel financially secure. And we want to make sure that we can have an open, honest conversation with our financial advisor mm-hmm. and a, a a lady that just started working with us and we were going through her budget and she said, I'm so happy you're ladies because that doctor expense is really my Botox. And let's just be honest. And, you know, we need to know that if that's an expense, you know, we need to have that in your budget. Mm -hmm. And she had been disguising it, you know, and the gentleman was like, oh, you have a lot of doctor expenses. Are you healthy? Do we need to adjust your life expectancy and your plan? And she's like, yeah, well, so you want to, you really want to work with someone who you, you can feel comfortable with and you'll want them to have the right designations and um, the CFP is one of them. And there are several others as well. Um, And it really helps just making sure that who you're hiring is someone that's going to do a great job for you, that's going to be a great partner. How do you find that person? Um, ask your friends. Um, you know, becoming a widow, you're joining, unfortunately, a club no one wants to join, but it's um, a pretty crowded club. And these other women have had the exact same concerns as you mm-hmm. and have gone out there and hired an advisor. In fact, the statistic, um, Karen, you're actually in the minority. 80% of women leave their financial advisor within one year of their spouse's death. Wow, do they? They do. And it's typically because the relationship was more so with their husband. Yeah. And they really want a relationship to be with with her, with, you know, themselves. And um, so kudos to your financial advisor, because it means that he's done a great job of working with the two of you and making sure that you were included in that couple. And that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Um, So ask other women who have unfortunately, you know, become widows as well. Who do they recommend? And then interview them. Um, It's a great way to find someone that's going to be a good fit. And like I said, the financial help for widows, it's a free guide um, and it's beautifully laid out. Actually, it was very exciting. I got to see uh, the first physical copy yesterday and it just, it was you know, not quite the birth of my children because that was more important, but it was very, it was very exciting to see. And it's beautifully laid out. And what's really special about it is that within there are stories from other women too, which that's what warms my heart most of sharing what they did feel like they did right and their words of wisdom or things that they wish they had done differently and their words of wisdom there too. Mm -hmm. Um, and and talking about words of wisdom, I, I really want to go back to getting help. One of the pieces that I heard, I've heard over and over again from our, our clients, and it's not financial, but one of the hardest things to do is to call 
the alma mater, the associations, the sports club, the cricket club, the whatever, the magazine subscriptions, the credit cards, the all of these things. It's it can be you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of different organizations that you have to reach out to to notify them of the death of of your spouse. And it can be excruciating to have to call and say, my husband has passed away and over and over and over again. And so what they'll do is they will have one of those friends who say, can I help? And they'll say, can you please call the golf club? This is the number. Can you please, you know, do this? And each person has a little bit, has a, a list mm-hmm. of five or 10 um, things, and it can be very helpful. And the other thing I hear that is extremely helpful is all those thank you notes. Just very hard. I was able to write them for my father when my mother passed away. Um, he couldn't do it. And so if they can write thank you notes for you, um, it's a wonderful way to help you. And it's also a wonderful way for your dear friends and family that want to help you. So, you know, trying to get all those things off your plate as much as possible. If there's someone who's handy, um, have them be your person who comes in to fix things. Um, I'll be honest, my husband passed away. You know, if he passed away, I'm not so sure I could get the TV on at all times because there's so many remotes and so many buttons. And usually I can, but every once in a while I press the wrong button and it's like, what did I do? Um, So, (laughs) you know, those are all things to to think about of of having people be able to help and be able to support um, as you're moving forward. So it's not really financial, but um, there's a lot of great ideas, you know, in that guide to, to lift the burden for you and, you know, also for other people to be able to help. Um, Because I do, I mean, in the U.S., what we do is we make casseroles or cookies for people, which is so lovely. Um, But there's like a point where you have so much food that it's too much, right? You can only have so many so many cookies i think um over here that the, the kind of go-to meal for for grief is lasagna and um i, I was spoken to, to to one of my other podcast guests who said it was like a game of tetris with with lasagna in his freezer just like balancing them all on top of each to try and get them to fit, fit in. <laughs> yeah yeah and and there's a point where you start to hate lasagna <laughs> yeah yeah, right absolutely yeah you yeah. Like, never want to see another one <laughs> i know i think that's really really good advice asking for that help you know giving people jobs to do that's such a good job i hear so many widows talking on social media in my groups you know saying that they've had to sit down and make all these calls and and sometimes making those calls the person you speak to on the other side is obviously following a script or, or there's a policy of some sort, but it, it just lacks common sense. And, it, yeah. you know, they will say something like, well, I need to speak to the person, but he's dead. Or, well, I need the PIN number. Well, I haven't got it. He's dead. Like, and, it, and it's like, well, I can't do anything. You know, you just like... Yeah. You know, no, I know. I know. You're like, you're dealing with that when you're greedy, it's too much. And I think... It's, it's like, it's re-traumatizing. It is. Right? It's re-traumatizing. And then it's creating this like anger because people are well-meaning, but they say 
the stupidest things, <laughs> right? They say the stupidest things and, you know, they, they mean well, yeah. they mean well, um, yeah. but boy, it's like just putting another knife in your heart. And if you can have any help on dealing with, you know, there'll be certain things. So when you're talking to financial institutions and closing, let's say a joint account that's in both of your names, it's going to most likely need to be you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there are many, many, many other calls that you don't, you, you don't have to make. I want to give another resource because I know we're, you know, I, I know we're coming up to time. I really want to offer the resource of Savvy Ladies. And I mentioned that when we first started speaking. Um, Savvy Ladies, we have women all across the world that come to our website. It's SavvyLadies.org, and it has two Vs because it's super savvy. Um, All of our resources are free of charge. We're a charity here in the U.S. We also don't income test. So whether you have a dollar in your pocket or a pound in your pocket or you do not, we can help you. And we have hundreds of TED Talk like videos on finances and everything from budgeting, expenses, saving for retirement, recovery after the loss of a spouse. And we have the only helpline in the world where you can be matched up with a certified financial planner and work one on one free of charge. And this year already, we've made over 1,500 matches between women and volunteer certified financial planners. And so you can call, you can talk on the phone together for an hour, you can do a Zoom call for an hour, but it's such a good investment because you can read a book, you can watch shows about finances, you can do all of this, but often they're still carrying the question of like my personal situation that you have questions about. And it's a great resource for you. It's it's not in place of a financial advisor. You know, they're not going to be, you know, investing in the stock market for you ongoing. Um, you know, that's not really what Savvy Ladies is is all about. Um, but it's a great place to get the answers you need right now. And uh, like that, and, and I, I want to, I will put all of these um, in the show notes. You know, the Savvy Ladies and, and a link to your book as well because they're just incredible resources. But you're right. You know, sometimes. You just want that little bit of advice, don't you, in terms of, say, you've come into some money, you know you've got to to live now, you know you've got to save something for the future. Maybe you want to make a big investment or go on a special holiday with the kids or something. But it's like, can I really afford to? Like, yes, the money's there. Like, I can see it's physically there. I can do it. But what impact is taking like a chunk of it out now going to have on my income or my pension? And these big questions and a lot of people then don't make the choices, don't do the the things and living in the now and going on the holidays um, and and having those experiences out of fear of, of, you know, money, what if it all disappears? And, And that reassurance, I think that we all need sometimes when you haven't got somebody to have those conversations with, to make sure that you're making a joint decision, you're on the same page, you both agree that it's a sensible thing to do. All of a sudden, it's all on you. It's all on yeah. you. And yeah. that's scary. And just having the opportunity to talk 
you know, you know, whether you're investing something, is that a good idea? What should I be looking for? Can I spend my money? Where can I save? All of those things that, yeah, they're really, they're big questions, aren't they? That you want to be able to trust someone yeah. in what they're going to be saying to you. And, and a lot of the time when we speak to family and friends, they are they're giving us advice from an emotional point of view, from a spend the money, do the thing, you know, do, you know, whatever makes you happy. But actually, you sometimes want that outside advice, don't you, from, from somebody that's not emotional. Yeah, family members can be unbelievably well-meaning and they are not financial advisors. And so what I ask everyone listening today, if you're not driving, close your eyes and think about a future of you in five years where you feel financially secure, you're on track, every dollar you spend, you feel confident about because you understand that you can afford it, that you have a clear picture about how much money you have, what you can spend, and what you need to do to stay long-term on that financial security track that's an amazing gift. Every person deserves that, especially someone who has gone through a loss. And financial security is not going to bring back the love of your life, but what it will do, it's going to give you that warm blanket of security to allow you to start that new life. Mm-hmm. And to be able to live the best life you can and really, you know, be there for yourself and be there for for your loved ones. I think that's so lovely, Stacey. And I think that was the one thing I really admired about my financial advisor, who obviously had been my assignments. And, you know, when we sat down eventually to talk about finances after Simon died, he, he asked me, he said, what do you want? You know, what What do you want for the now? What do you want for the future? You know, how yeah. do you... And I thought, do you know, you're, he wasn't sat there telling me what he thought I should be doing or, you, you know, really you need this here and that. That there. There was very much like, tell me the kind of life that you want, the things you want to be able to afford to do, and let's see how we can make these things happen for you and make sure you're protected through all of it. Um, and And... We can lose that, I think, with finances because we want somebody to tell us what to do because we have absolutely no idea. But it does come back to you. What do you, Mm -hmm. what life do you want to live? What, what, you know, experiences and. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what's so exciting about being a financial advisor because you're the person who tells us what you want your life to look like. And then our job is to translate that into numbers. Yeah. Yes. And to make a recipe, a roadmap to follow to get there. If it's the other way where the financial advisor is kind of pushing in, Mm -hmm. it's not going to work. It has to come from you of what that looks like. And you don't have to think about numbers. You just, what does that life look like? What are the things that are important? Then our job again is to translate that into numbers and to figure out that roadmap, create that financial plan, the investment portfolio that's going to earn X, Y, and Z to support it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, the, the biggest job you guys have is, in, 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 and I'll be honest, it's a big job because it's very hard to think about, well, what do I want? Mm-hmm. And knowing 
that's going to change too. What you might feel today can be very different two months, three months. It can be even very different tomorrow or this afternoon, right? So um, just understanding and knowing that things will change and and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a very good point. Things do change, and I think that sometimes yeah. makes us a bit scared of making a, a a choice, a decision at any point. Because you think, well, I want it now, but will that still be the same in you know in a week, a month, a year? Um, but it always comes back to remembering that at any one moment you are doing the best that you can, and and that is good enough, you know. And and going with what you need in a moment, knowing that it will absolutely change. But that's okay too. Stacy, you have shared so much. It has been wonderful talking. Thank you. So much knowledge and wisdom. Um, and and I love that you're also a grief coach. I think that just must enrich what you do so much and and give people that comfort when they talk to you because it's not easy to talk about grief um you know we we do live in a grief illiterate society and the fact that you've done that to support your clients i think really does show what thank you you are and and how much Mm. you to help so that is lovely so I will share, like I say, on the show notes. Wonderful. How people can can you know get hold of all the resources you've talked about here, um, and obviously how they can contact you if they want to contact you for for anything at all. And just thank you so much, Stacey. What you have shared here will be invaluable to many. I know it will. So thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. I'm giving everybody a hug. <laughs> Me too. Thank you so much for listening to The Widow Podcast with me, Karen Sutton. If you would like to be part of a supportive community of people who understand your grief, come and join my free Facebook group, Widowed and Rising. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of The Widow Podcast. Podcast.